most people think. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of What Most People Think. How, how are, you, are you hanging in there? Are you hanging in? Are, are, you, are, you, started, uh, are you letting your standards slip? Has that started happening? Because it's a bit tricky, isn't it, without any hope of things uh, improving? Have you, have, have, you started, have you started wearing your dressing gown? Have you, have you, till loose women starts, oh dear, oh dear, is it going that way? Look, can we, can we just go hard in, straight off the top of the podcast here and say that dressing gowns are disgraceful? They are disgraceful. I don't even know what the fuck they're invented. If you're getting up, get dressed. Okay, it's really simple. Unless you're, I don't know, getting chemo or something. (laughs) Just get fucking dressed. Do you know what I mean? I've got sympathy. You know, I discussed mental health in the last issue and it got quite a positive response. On the other hand, there is such a thing uh, as as standards. Global pandemic or not, get up, get dressed, make make yourself fucking useful. Do you know what I mean? I saw saw something the other day, it was one of my pet hates. And I'm sorry if this applies to you, but I was walking the dog and there was a woman standing on her front doorstep, dressing gown on, smoking. And it was that kind of smoke. It wasn't just smoking. She just had this fucking bereft look on her face. And I don't know, maybe things are hard for her inside the house, but she, what, the reason she was at the doorstep was she was letting the dog run around on the green in front of her. But I tell you what, you know what would be better? If you got dressed... And you walk the fucking dog. I'm so judgmental. But, uh, you know, it's tricky, isn't it? It's tricky with... Uh, we don't really know when things are going to start to unlock. There are some mumblings, aren't they, that they might start around Easter, but then there are some that it might go on till the fucking year 2048. So I just think what the government have done wrong, in a way, was they kind of boosted things up last year. Said, oh, it's going you know, to be all right soon. Yeah, we'll have Christmas, all this, all that. And now they're being really honest with us. Like, guys, it's going to be fucking tough. I think actually now I'd take a big fat lie right now. Just fuck lie to my face about it being better. What next week? Is it be all right next week? Brilliant. And then just next week, lie again because we all need uh, something. But yeah, mental health is an issue at the moment. If, if you do want to talk to me about anything, um, email what most people think UK at gmail.com. Obviously, I can just, you know, I could talk about it anonymously on air and stuff like that. But uh, I, I will say again, the Samaritans is a good option. People just don't think of it, or you think, oh, it'd be so sad to be the person calling the Samaritans. And I'll admit, I've done it myself. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a top moment in life, but that's when you start doing it. What you A problem here, there's a problem shared. That is so true. And, and there's something about talking to a stranger unguarded. I mean, obviously it helps, but don't don't be ringing them all the time. Do you know what I mean? They go, don't be to the point where you're like the talk of their office going, oh, it's that fucking Bill again. Look, Bill, just so you know, okay, you know, parking issues at Westfield isn't really a legitimate reason to ring Samaritans. Uh, this week, this week, you know we have great guests on this. We have people that you already know and then sometimes we have people that I think are going to be big figures coming up. This week we've got Nico Yearwood, who's a, who's a fantastic comic. He... Uh, and he just really, I think he's really, like his voice is so strong in terms of, you know, he's not trying to please anybody. He just says what he thinks, even if those views and stuff might be uh, uncomfortable. And it's very rare in this day and age to find a comic that really isn't owned by any clique and stuff. So we had a chat about all sorts of things, you know, from uh, Meghan and Harry to uh, Black Lives Matter to no makeup selfies. You know, he's, he's, he's a funny man. and I, I know you're going to enjoy uh, this chat. 
Before that, we'll do a bit of politics. Obviously, there's the news about the 100,000 deaths mark and it makes some comedy out of that, Jeff. I'll, I'll, give, it, I'll give it a go. And uh, obviously, the EU acting like fucking spoiled children in relation to um, the vaccines that they approved so late. Uh, but this is what most people think. You know, I am, you know, I voted Conservative in my recent past. I voted Leave. But I'm also, you know, if there's stick to be given to the government, uh, I, I would dish it out. But I'll try and take a balanced view and give an honest view. Uh, this podcast is supported by... Patreons, right? My loyal patrons who keep this going, keeping it weekly, uh, and most importantly, I think, ad-free. Uh, we've got some new people here. We've got Ali and Michael. They've gone in together. Uh, just sound like some weird, co- like same difference. Is that who you are, Ali and Michael? You're weird, some sort of a brother-sister combo. Ali and Michael. Uh, we've got David Brazil. I'm, I'm look. I'll read you the next two names, and you tell me if my theory about made-up names isn't true. This is this is people. I think working in woke institutions that cannot be identified as patrons of Jeff Norcott. David Brazil, does that sound real? Anne Geach? Geach sounds like a verb, doesn't it? Like for, sorry, Anne, you've probably had this your whole life, but get, getting geached or something, you know, like, or was that ginched? You know when they used to pull up your pants and stuff and rip them out? For, oh, look, quick story here. One of my most humiliating moments was when I was 14. I was on the, I was on the bus going back to Mitchum with some real rough lads, and we were doing a thing called ginching at the times, which you pull up either side of people's pants and literally just rip them off. And it happened to me, and it happened to be the day that I was wearing leopard skin pants. Yeah, they set fire to them on the bus. I just said, I was so fucking humiliating. The worst thing is when you're a lad in South London, you have to be going, oh, lads, don't be like that, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You have to act like you think it's funny. Uh, desperate. Uh, Anne Geach, though. Anne Geach, you do sound like a powerful regional manager. You're going to have to speak to Anne Geach about that, I'm afraid. That's very much Anne Geach's department. Uh, Derek Sharkey. Okay, these are not real names. You, you sound like Derek Sharkey. You sound like sort of some villain from a Thomas Hardy novel. And Rebecca T, who sounds like a sort of 90s pop star. Uh, thank you very much for becoming patrons. There is, uh, I will talk to you later about things that you'll get as by dint of being a patron and stuff that's coming up. Quick recap on the new slimmed down cuss count. Uh, we had 26 fuckings, 10 shits, 6 pisses, 8 fucks and 2 fucks. I think the important thing coming out of that was 1.38 swears a minute. Um, which is obviously it's a solo episode. I think that's a, that went along at a fair lick. But here we have, we are now tracking the new things. Uh, there were three carry-on style innuendos. You know, ooh, or I'll leave that in. Stuff like that. Okay, so there's three of those and only one cricket reference. Um, so if you spot any other trends in the podcast that you want to keep tracked, it's what most people think UK at gmail.com. Uh, just before we get into the politics, a quick thank you and a fuck you. I just got to thank my wife, man. She's doing the homeschooling thing and she is ripping the shit out of it. She's absolutely smashing it. She's so fucking organized. She's even got a printer to work in the house. I don't know who does that in 2000 and. What is it? 21. Uh, and, you know, he's just, my kid is like getting cleverer by the day and it's really freaking me out because I always kind of thought that he would surpass me at about the age of 21. I think we're looking at 13 now. Uh, and, you know, there is a thing where you go, look, she's doing such a good job at teaching. And I know a lot of people will be thinking this, going, do we need schools? I mean, there's a lot of tax that goes on that. You know, a lot of us are visiting the doctors less. Maybe this is an opportunity. I mean, this may be the most Tory thought I've ever had. Is look, look, maybe this is a chance to roll back the state. Uh, a quick fuck you is to my stomach. I'm now at that age where I just can't, like, I, I used to have a plan. If I put on a bit of timber, I'd be like, yeah, do this, do that, I'll lose that in a week. It's not happening, man. It's just not happening. Just sits there looking at me. He's going, I'm, he's looking at me going, I'm here for the long run, buddy. I I don't know why my uh, stomach is a racist from the American deep south. But I just wonder sometimes with weight, I've spent my whole life kind of, you know, just trying to manage it. I've never been like a slim guy, a sort of verge between being bit chunky and then getting a bit proper you know 
flabby. And then I just thought, fucking, should I just lean into it? It's the same as alcoholism. There's a part of me that thinks, that would be a real shame if just for one bit of my life, I wasn't just a massive pisshead, <laughs> just eating whatever he wants. Just like, just a year, you know, just diarise it. And if I survive the year, it could make a great TV show. Okay, just before we have a chat to Nico, let's have a quick catch up on the big political news. Right, so we have passed the 100,000 COVID-related deaths, and you have to call it a grim milestone. That is the law. Uh, you can't mention that without calling it a grim milestone, even though it's a milestone that the media have sort of imposed themselves. But look, man, we have to deal with that. And I don't know, uh, you know, even if you're a strong COVID sceptic and you think that, you know, it's dying with COVID or because of COVID or within 28 days of a test. Look, the fact of the matter is it's a big number, whichever way you cut it, you know, and the government, uh, you have to take their share of criticism for that. You know, but we are in the second wave. We are in the second wave at the moment. Some countries haven't had their second wave. And the, the one bright spot on the horizon is, is the vaccinations. You know, if we can if we can improve that, I mean it's not like if we can improve that, we'll come out. I mean it'll still be bad, it'll just be less bad. I think it's like it's like one of those ashes series down under in the really, Jeff, a cricket metaphor. When a hundred look, it's the way my mind works. Is you remember when we had those Ashes series in the nineties? We always three nil down. You know what I mean? Three nil down. Maybe we'd all, we got a draw, and then vaccinations is where it's the last test. We could get a win. Uh, we get back on that plane. You know, it it wouldn't change the fact that we lost the series, but it would be nice to get back on the plane uh, with a win. You know, and you look, and even if you compare us to other cu- countries, similar countries who are using similar metrics, it's clear that we've fared badly. So you can't get around that fact. But one thing I do think is happening is we started to retrospectively apply the new, more transmissible variant to what happened before. You know, people always say, just follow the science, Jeff, just follow the science. And then they're going, I cannot believe Rishi Sunak sent us out with luncheon vouchers while there was a deadly second strain. You go, well, that's not exactly what happened, was it? At this point where that unlocking happened last year, um, you know, numbers were way down across the board and the government were trying to get the economy moving, which, you know, it's not the worst idea in the world, is it? For the economy not to completely fucking crash and have even more mass redundancies. But it's not like, it's not like, like what they're sort of basically making out is that there was these giant sort of like almost zombie alien killers prowling the streets and Rishi Sunak was there booting us out of the door going, there you go, there you go, there's a voucher, there's a voucher for fucking uh, Itsu. Go on, out you go. It wasn't, it wasn't quite like that. And and then look, listen, Matt, we all got our beaks wet with the uh, eat out to help out, didn't we? Yeah, if you're going to judge, let he who did not get a surprisingly cheap lunch at Costa cast the first fucking stone because I'm telling you something, we've all got blood on our hands. (laughs) And, you know, the government deserved their share of criticism on some things, but I think, you know, keeping schools open, you can't, like, say that that was a bad, that was, like, an evil thing to do, and they kept the bloody schools open. What, trying to teach kids... Who at some we've got this whole generation of kids that have missed so much school now they're going to become adults and we'll just find out there's this weird shit that they don't know. You know what I mean? They just don't know what you what the word is for a wolf or something. <laughs> they reach the mid thirties. Go, oh right, this is finally the 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 yield, the harvest of that time that they didn't go for school. And I think that I, I think they were right to keep the schools open or certainly make it a priority. And I think they should get them open again soon. And I say that, I'm not saying that just because I've got a four and a half year old son. Um, (laughs) There's no bias there. But, you know, I do think that the left will have a problem if they try and frame this. You know what they do, like, because the Tories are obviously evil. You know, they've got to be the bad guys. They always need a bogeyman. They get a state-sponsored murder. I mean, it's practically state-sponsored murder. You think, look, 
I don't know if that that just makes you look mental and paranoid. That makes the movement of the left online look a bit cranky. Yeah, because I don't think my thing about look, let's spin it another way, right? If you're a politician, you worked hard, you want to get elected, you do want to be popular. So you're sitting there, you know, Rishi and Boris. How do you open that conversation? If that is your goal, right, is to deliberately let people die, it's like it's like suggesting a bung in a football match, isn't it? How do you make the first move in that game? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just sitting there going, um, yeah, just, um, hey, Rishi, um, look, weird conversation here, but, um, you know, every negative has an opportunity. We do have a lot of old people in this country. I mean, I'm just, look, I'm just floating out there, and Rishi's like... <gasps> Thank God, Boris, I'm so glad you said that. I was also thinking about pensioner genocide. <laughs> so I think that what most people think is this is a week where the government need to take the criticism, you know what I mean? Uh, take the criticism, particularly for acting, you know, like the borders, not shutting the borders. I just don't fucking... Like, am I missing something here? Like, am I missing something obvious? Have they all got fucking mistresses that are flying in from South Africa? Because that makes no sense to me. Uh, I do think, like, like, the weird thing is with PPE... And the vaccine rollout. People are sort of blaming the government for PPE, but then crediting the NHS for the vaccine rollout. I'm not sure uh, it works like that. I think there's shared responsibility in both of them. But I think, yeah, I think what most people think is, is the government have overall managed this badly, right? They haven't had a good war. Um, but with the vaccines, there is a chance for them to claw back some credibility. Speaking of credibility, so the EU, they were a bit sluggish, to put it mildly, in getting their vaccine game up and running. You know, they just, they were trying to get it all coordinated between everybody and just make sure that everyone was on side. And you know what? That doesn't always work. when it, It's like it's like a Hindu. Have you ever seen a Hindu try and move from a restaurant to the club? You know, they're... Uh, <laughs> Trying to get like 15 women all on on side, you know, some of them getting a bit funny and snippy about moving. Oh, right, I know, because I just, I just ordered a coffee and I just think it'd be weird if I didn't have the coffee. You know, some of them really like, I think we should already be there, you know, girls, because I just, I, I like dancing. That's hungry, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, they have found themselves down the line with supply line issues, right, with AstraZeneca. And it is complicated by the fact that it's Oxford AstraZeneca. So AstraZeneca are associated with being... A UK company, and then there is this talk: the UK, uh, the EU are ratcheting up the rhetoric that they might, you know, start saying, "No, oh, well, you know, well, you know, where are these, uh, where are these vaccines going?" You know, we just no, look, we're not, we're not blocking vaccines. We just say, you know, maybe we make it really fucking difficult for you to get them out of the EU. You know, or oh, what? What the EU, the kind benevolent band of wizards, are sort of acting like a bit Tony Soprano, are they? And you know, what was shocking? What was shocking about this, it's not surprising to me that the EU would act like this. You know, they, it looks bad, doesn't it? It looks bad. It's the first big test of is there a benefit from any country for, to be outside the EU. Now, I know that there's issue with VAT on goods and stuff, and there's issues that companies are facing. But this is, if the argument was that the UK, you know, outside the EU could be nimble and dynamic on the world stage, this is like an absolute clusterfuck for the EU because it absolutely demonstrates the problems of just trying to move like one fucking giant pantomime horse with about 80 people in it. Um, uh, but what I found really odd was that the idea of being blockaded by the EU, I sort of thought, you know, when I looked online with the old, you know, it's ultra remain extreme nutters that that they would be like, oh, right, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think the EU would act like this. I genuinely thought that. And then what I found was people sort of getting off on it. It was really weird. They were kind of sexually excited by the EU flexing their muscles in relation to the UK, like some sort of weird vaccine BDSM. And so you do realise that, like, whatever you feel about living in Britain, you are British, right? 
these vaccines that will be for you, for your family, people you know. I mean, what, what, you know, what, what is the explanation for that logic? <laughs> In your face, Nan. Yeah, shouldn't have voted leave now. Now who's sorry? I just think that, that, that it's, a, it's, a, it's a complete ideological mindset. I, for one, have never, ever thought that the British government are intrinsically trustworthy or good people. But there has always been that sense, you know, that with the EU, that they represent virtue. You know, they're the reason we haven't had a Second World War. I think one of the reasons we haven't had uh, another World War is a massive fucking nuclear bomb got dropped on a couple of islands. I think that that, I think that, that played a part. Um... But yeah, they, there's a self-flagellating element to these people, and I think that you know when you look at you know what most people think in the wider country, I think that this story, you know, if you if you if you, if you were to look at, I, I don't know if you did a snap poll of was Britain right or wrong to leave the EU, you know what the British are like. We're fucking bloody-minded people. We don't like you know even even people that may have voted Remain. I think broadly speaking, won't like this, right? You know, it, it's it's not playing fair and square. And some people will say, well, there was the Internal Markets Bill and breaking the law in a limited but specific way, yeah, but it didn't happen, did it? This is something that still might happen. The truth is the EU haven't just spat the dummy on this, they've slapped a fucking tariff on it as it flew out of the pram. Okay, now let's get into the chat with this week's guest, Nico Yearwood. Okay, uh, making his debut on the What Most People Think podcast, it is Nico Yearwood, or Yearwood? Yearwood, Yearwood, yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're a great comic man. I've been getting uh, to know your stuff online, which is obviously the only fucking way we can do anything now. <laughs> and I think, I mean, this is like a wanky question, Nico, but how would you describe your style? I mean, this is like the worst <laughs> question, but but in terms of how you approach stand-up, what are you trying to do when you're up there? Well, I guess the main thing is make people laugh, but I try to poke fun of the... I guess the irrational things that I see or come across, yeah. that would be the main thing. That's where most of my material comes from. Because um, that was something that I noticed is that the, like, what makes you stand out is that uh, you, you don't seem to belong to any clique, if you know what I mean. Like yeah. you're not overtly left wing or right wing. You kind of poke fun at like the woke and the racists, you know, like you, you, you is that a conscious decision, you know, to to sort of place yourself where you can punch all around the clock? I wouldn't say it's conscious. I am, I am, it comes from a lack of passion for most things in life, to be honest. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> not, not much doesn't get me like, ah, oh, I am this or I am that, you know what I mean? I like just, I just observe. I just watch and observe. And if it doesn't make sense to me, then I will attack it. I think that when I watch your stuff, it seems to me you have a, fair, a very finely tuned bullshit radar. Like if something seems off. So if that's coming from, you know, the woke side of things, that doesn't seem to affect you. You'll go for it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as, a, well, as you was seen with the comedy, I did something about like Tommy Robinson. And then like the next week I did something about Lewis Hamilton because it didn't make sense to me. And then I would, I would catch some stick from... Some black people saying, hey, you can't talk about Lewis. But I'm like, hang on a minute. What he's doing doesn't make sense. He's telling me protect the environment and he's on a speedboat. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that don't make sense to me. He's doing F1, which is the most damaging sport to the environment there is. So yeah. I, I'll make fun of that. Regardless of if, you know, he's a black guy or whatnot, I would take is the that, piss out of it. 
I mean, is that something you, you you find more because of this age where we're all like sort of retreating into our identities? Like if you're going for a black guy in the public eye, is, is are people around sort of pushing back on you? Like you shouldn't be doing that or? Yeah, sometimes you get stick from people saying, uh, or some of my friends um, might just say, I agree with what you're saying, but he's black. So I'm not going to share it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, they will agree with me privately because it doesn't make sense what he's doing. You yeah. can't be a F1 driver and have speed boats and 30 cars and be preaching about to me about the environment and telling no, I totally me, agree, yeah. you know what I mean? So some of them would be like, yo man, that's funny, but I'm not going to share it because <laughs> he's a black guy. Like in terms of lockdown, I don't know about you, but I found it, the comedy industry as a whole has been tacitly very pro lockdown, but you, you seem to have a more nuanced take on, on lockdown, you know, just following your Twitter. What, where, where do you stand with stuff? I would say nuanced. I just, I just think I worry more. I worry about the erosions of certain liberties or, mm. or, or of it being enforced too harshly. Yeah. Like when I see people being arrested for having a walk or, or they're getting fined for sitting down, having a coffee on their own or stuff like that, that pisses me off. And then I saw the there was this article saying that the police chief he wants more powers to enforce lockdowns mm. and to be able to check your house and stuff like that and i'm like nah come on that's not necessary you know what i mean so i am against giving the police more powers to enforce these lockdowns to a certain but extent that is, but is that an example of something i've often found in comedy is what you hold there is i think a very probably a centrist position that's quite a rational sort of like a suspicion of state power but in yeah. the world of social media and the world of comedy, that stance can easily, you know, people go, God, don't, you know, dude, don't be like a, a lockdown denier or an anti-vaxxer. You go, yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing with um, social media. There's no nuance no en- anymore. There's yeah. It's binary. You're either um, for vaccines or you're anti-vax. There's no yeah. in-between on social media. You're anti-mask or you're mask. You're left wing or right wing you're this or you're that that's social media has destroyed nuance and context and stuff like that so people just want you to be part of their tribe or part of their group or part of their ideology and anything that you say that varies outside of that as you said you they label you a traitor what, what why do you think comedians are so pro lockdown as i said i i do know a few who are anti-lockdown would they or, say in public though, Nico? Do they say it? A couple <laughs> do. A few do. I know yeah. a few do. And I know, I, well, I won't mention their names, but yeah, I know a few who are completely anti-lockdown, even more so than I am. I am more like, hey, this is getting a bit out of hand. Mm. This is a bit harsh. And I don't think people should be getting, you know, like having the police kicking down doors and shit. That's a bit too far for me. But um, I would say the majority of people who get publicity in the comedy industry at the moment are lefty types mm. or even if they're not lefty they're pretending to be lefty so that it doesn't hurt their careers or whatever because mm. i know some people who they get on twitter and they spew all the all the left-wing talking points they're bang on it boom boom yeah. boom boom but behind closed doors they're not Come, uh, and I know that's no, no. a fact, but they're just doing it 
to get them chances at the BBC or wherever. Did I mean that's one thing that I've certainly found is people confide in me. Like if they've seen you as I don't know, like contrarian, that's an imperfect label, but you get people that secretly go, you know what, Nico, I'm you know, I'm I'm not totally cool with all of this because they can kind of like they see you as a safe person uh to tell this to. There was a there was a presenter on the BBC that said to me that she uh I just identified her as a woman, but there you go. He's um is that she identifies as vegan publicly because it's just easier. Because she's found that if, if in any way she in, in the past she referred to eating meat, it seemed to affect a certain community's view of her as a good person. So now yeah. she just identifies as vegan. Yeah, man. You can't live like that, man. That's not that's not a good way to live, because then who are you really? No one knows the true you. You know what I mean? When you purport or pretend to be a good person, that's the thing, is that people, even those people on the left or whatever, will you eventually you you will say something out of order mm. and they will come for you and they will find the faults that you're trying to hide so why are you trying to be this thing that you're not really because eventually that person will be caught like that lady she will get caught yeah yeah they meet one day <laughs> she'll be having a nice sausage roll or a, a hot dog or something and somebody might see it take a picture and then you know boom She's yeah, there'll be there'll be it'll be a really extreme version. Like she's out grouse hunting and she's like <laughs> eating it raw with her fuck comes up with blood all over her. Yeah, face. blood all over her jumper and shit. Just a long shit. a long lens photo of her just looking like a savage. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it don't make no sense pretending to be this saint or whatever because those are the ones that get torn down. You know what I mean? Why? Why is? I mean, in a way, like people often talk about. Yeah, it must be hard. You know, they certainly say to me being a right wing comedian, but I actually think it, I think in many ways it's harder being a left wing comic because you've sort of got to get laughs while sort of projecting a view of yourself as a good person. I, I wouldn't say that they got to get laughs because come on, man, you see some of this stuff <laughs> <laughs> and they're not looking for laughs, they're looking for approval. Mm. Some of these things aren't punchlines. You watch some of these shows, these panel shows, or whatever. And these are more, what what do you call them? When they say like Trump is bad and you get a round of applause or, mm. you know, racism is bad. I'm like, we all know racism is bad, but they would get a round of applause or, you know what I mean? So is it funny? Do they need to well, be funny anymore? Well, that's the question I was wondering is about whether you're promoting a point of view first or a joke first. Um, you seem to me to feel like unless you've got like a proper punchline, you won't say it. Like Meghan and Harry. You know, you spoke about her leaving him. And, you know, there's a lot of people that say, well, that's sexist. Or, you know, if I say something like that, that's misogynoir. When I actually think the majority of the British public have thought about this, right? And, I mean, like, I don't want to kind of quote your, your routine, but what was your sort of take on Meghan and Harry broadly? It's basically, yeah, if she leaves, he got nothing left for him because he used to be a prince and and he's ginger so it'd be harder for him to get back in in the market to, <laughs> you, you know he'll never find anything so yeah that's it my whole thing when i look at that i was like because they spoke about the racism megan was experiencing and whatnot and i was saying that lifestyle that he had is yeah. one in a million and that me personally i would not walk away from that just because of the level of racism they were getting because it was coming from the media. I'll be like, okay, you close the newspaper, that racism can't get to you. <laughs> Turn off your social media, it can't get to you. Carry on living your life because you don't have to work really. For that, that lifestyle, 
I would put up with the level of racism they were getting. That was the joke behind it. It's such a bold take, you know, in a way, because on the, on the one hand, what you just said there, I think in the current context is quite radical. Like if you shut the newspaper and turn off your social media, that racism can't get to you. <laughs> I'm not saying that closing the newspaper will end racism, but no. I'm saying that it wouldn't, you know what I mean? Because if you go online, because I've been starting to do it as well, it's kind of limit my social media. Yeah. But if you see all the, all you see on Twitter is a lot of back and forth. It's a lot of mm. arguments, whether it be black versus white, gay versus straight or trans versus, you know, mm. or whatever. There's always some sort of argument or people going at each other on Twitter. And that that's exhausting sometimes, man. And so I've been trying to limit my social media intake and like I you know, there's enough of that in the world for me to delve into that too much. Let me get some peace of mind for myself. And I step back from it sometimes. So I've been trying to do that because you can get into these petty, petty arguments that last like two, three hours on Twitter. Mate. And then at the end of it, nothing is resolved. So yeah, I'm trying to step back and, you know, keep my peace of mind and, you know, do something productive with that time. I always think if social media makes you angry and depressed and you keep going back to it, there's a part of you that wants to be angry and depressed because yeah. you know that is definitely what it's going to do. And, <laughs> yeah. and no deep down that the rest of British society isn't like that. Do you know what I mean? Like no one, none of these pricks would have the balls to say any of that. They just, something happens to people online. So I, I, yeah. I do it's one. The, it's the anonymity, man. It's yeah. the anonymity of online where you say, you say some shit and you know this person can't find you or they don't know your real name. So a lot of people, you know, but do you think that's what they that. really think or that something happens to them? They get a bit excited by it. Like, is That's what I... You know, like that thing about when you drink in vino veritas. So what you are as a drunk is what you are. Where I was just thinking, I don't know, is which version is, is the real you? <laughs> I think certain things can lead people to the darkness in them. That must reside in that person somewhere. Mm. That hatred or that, you know... That, Come on, man, you, you got to be so unhappy to go out and set up a troll account, a separate account, and, and just go around looking for things that you don't... You That person is not living a fulfilling life, you know what I mean? No, no. So, no it's such a good point. Like, you casually make these points, but they're really funny. Like, just simply the effort of setting up yeah. that account like you're right that that alone is just yeah. such a sad thing to do like if it's effort it's admin it's yeah admin. <laughs> that's extra admin i got my taxes to worry about i don't need that extra stuff you know and that so, fear that you might accidentally leave location services on one day and then you accidentally like because i remember there was this one time i can't remember who it was but a boxer did turn up at a troll's house there oh, was I a heard about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there was a real boxer who found it. <laughs> so imagine that, you know? I bet you he never tweeted again, man. What most people think. I mean, the thing is, though, with, like, um, Twitter, um, it's a whole... What we got to remember is that it's not the majority of people, I don't think. Because I tell... I would come off Twitter, something would happen... And I go tell my wife or I go tell a friend, oh, this person was talking about this and that, da, da, da. And she's like, what? What are you on about? <laughs> she's yeah, no, like, no. I can't remember what it was, but you know, all, all these terms, they keep coming up with these different terms and the cis hetero this and da, 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 that they discuss on Twitter. The average person out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these different things. And I was telling her, I was talking to her in Twitter speak. 
And she's and she's an educated young person. And she's like, what, what are you on about? <laughs> and well, she or her friends are none of them are on Twitter. And it's like, you know, you gotta remember that Twitter is for you know, not cases like us, really. I mean, like you're so right about about um, Twitter speak. The other thing that that I think happens with your partners is it literally sounds like the lowest level playground bullshit of of all time. You go in there, you go, yeah, and then I tweeted this guy and I added him, and then he liked the comment that somebody else said, and I was like, well, I, I can see you've liked that comment. Well, you got a problem with me, and then you just think, oh my god, yeah. I and this person then quote retreated what I said, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. we some yeah. like fucking thirteen year old girls, man. Yeah, it's madness. But a lot of that Twitter speak as well is not just virtual signaling. It's like this elitist kind of like intelligence signaling. Mm. You're like, oh, I, I, you know, this whole thing about being more. And this is why. And then people talk about the divide between working class and the middle class in this country. You can see that playing out in Twitter as well. Mm. The people who are using these kind of terms and whatnot, they're being just because they're talking about racism and whatever, using all this, these different terms and speaks, it's kind of a classism type mm. thing. You know what I mean? Because it's like differentiating themselves from the commoners who don't speak like this and who doesn't, who don't use terms that like cis and turf and da 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 da. It's exclusive, isn't it? Both in yeah. the first up, there's a lot of people that simply aren't on Twitter having that discussion. That's what I've always said about trans issues. It's like just, you know, there's an argument there about social progress, but at the moment, like hardly anybody is included in the discussion. So even if you do get yourself on Twitter, then there's a second level of excuse, exclusion where you just, someone says, well, that was a bit turfy. You know, what the fuck is Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, and if you try to explain to an older person in your family, like where and when you would use the term cis, mm-hmm. you go like, so I'm a cis male. And you go, what do you mean by that? You go, well, I, I was born male and I've stayed male. They go, so a male then? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you go, no, no, cis, it's really important. And, and, and again, the one thing that's come up with like older members in my family is that they just don't understand the numbers game of it. Because this, in reality, there's such a tiny amount of trans people. It's so, it's such a small number. Right, so can I ask you, why is it so loud on Twitter? Why is the force with it so... Well, I've got a theory, Nico, but I might get in trouble, but I'm going to say it. I think that, you know, given that the argument of acceptance of, of homosexuality has largely, thank God, got to a very good place, it's both a legitimate subject, but it's a way of people letting you know that they're cool and on side, you know, and virtue signaling, frankly. It's not to say that this debate about trans doesn't have a place but if you look at the list right if you compared it to thing you know you mentioned class race gender if you look down the list of numbers of people that something affects this is a very small number of people now obviously what could happen with me saying that is i then get straw man going okay so it's fine for trans people to commit suicide you go it's not what i said Mm. i'm just saying if you had an hour to discuss uh injustice and inequality and you were doing it on a numbers-based ratio you know the, the discussion would look much or different on Twitter than it currently does. Okay, I hope you're enjoying the chat there with Nico. Just quickly to let you know, people have been asking me about the tour. Look, my position is this, it is due to start in early April. Obviously, that might be tricky. I've spoke to Live Nation, who are the guys that I tour with, and our, our position is that we, you know, we're just going to try 
and put on dates. You know, we're not going to, we've got reserves lined up. So if you've bought tickets or are buying tickets, it's going to happen. It's a question of trying to get as many out in the spring. Because the, tr- the truth is, and I don't want to act like I'm, you know, I'm doing this for the, for the circuit, but a lot of these venues, if they, they need to make money, right? Do you know what I mean? So if there's any chance at all of shows happening in the spring, I'm going to try and, I'm going to try and get out there. Not like these left-wingers bouncing their fucking tours to the autumn when they can make more money. I will happily go in these venues, socially distance, uh, make less money, because I'm just doing it for the people, guys. I told you, I'm becoming the right-wing Bono. That's why <laughs> a tax-efficient activist. Um, just on the Patreon, right? Uh, I appreciate it so much. I know I always talk about it, but it is what has enabled this to become one of the biggest things that I do and my favourite thing that I do. It keeps it weekly, keeps it ad-free. And if you're listening to other podcasts, right, you'll know that quite frequently they just butt in out of nowhere and go, ding, dong, ding. Hey, do you find that washing your potatoes takes more time and keeps you away from watching the TV shows that you love? Well, you should try Spudwash. Yeah, Spudwash is a new online potato washing services where once you get your order from Ocado, we fucking jam ourselves in there like all these wanky third-party countries just to make some extra money out of something completely pointless. We take your potatoes away and we wash them and peel them for the you and then we get them to Spudwash. Ding, dong, ding. So if if you're happy to not hear... Um, adverts for utterly wank concepts like Spudwash, then that is the that is the main reason of the Patreon. But there are also uh, benefits. Um, there's a guaranteed now monthly additional Patreon-only episode. There was one earlier this week, and if you sign up for it now, uh, you'll be able to see all of those going backwards. Uh, there's an article a month. There are new material gigs uh, for the top tier. We've got a, a gig for everybody, including middle tier, coming up uh, on the 4th of February. And uh, I'll be doing an exclusive for the next podcast. I'll be reaching out to the middle tier for questions to see if anything specific uh, they want answered. So there's like there's loads of benefits, and also it does keep it it keeps it pure, guys. You know, I had Lawrence Fox on recently. I didn't have to fucking clear that with anybody. And of course, the book comes ever closer to being out. Uh, what are we now? We're less than three months away. Uh, my book, Where Did I Go Right? How the Left Lost Me. And uh, it's funny. It's a funny book. And, uh, you know, I would have said that that would be the book that you could read on a beach in Turkey. Let's be honest, it's going to be the book that you're reading in your fucking garden. Um, Now, you know, being uh, the podcast that I have, I've discussed uh, BLM with a lot of white people up to this point. And (laughs) we've all come to a lot of, you know, conclusions about it. I just wondered, you know, what your experience was of last summer, how... You know, it felt obviously we first up with what happened with George Floyd in the US and then and then the way that that movement kind of uh, uh, took off here. How were, were you kind of involved? Were you marching? What, what was your experience of last summer? Um, I guess for most people, it was like it was shocking seeing the George Floyd thing. It was shocking. Yeah. It was depressing. And but I totally understand the reaction to it because it's like. I think leading up to George Floyd, you had like three others close mm. together. Um, I think the Ahmad one, the Brianna Taylor, and there was another one. And it was just like, his was the most, you know, gruesome yeah. or horrific, horrific of them all. They're all terrible, but seeing that for however, however many minutes was like, mm. Jesus. Um, 
Whereas I couldn't like, even. I still haven't even watched the full thing. I I, I yeah. switch off. I can't bring myself to. Well, watch I don't that. think a lot of so. us have seen that in our life. Actually, like you know, in kind of vivid footage. I've seen First World War stuff where people were clearly dying in a situation. I don't think a lot of us have seen that. And there was Michael Holden actually said something like just in a nutshell that was really explained. He said, I think technology is caught up with a racist. I thought it was like, I know he's like a cricket pundit. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, that, it, I think it'd be weird if you weren't sort of affected by that. And, and you're right. Like the duration of it. Yeah. It, it was really just next level. I, I, I still haven't watched the full, I think it's probably like eight, nine minutes. He was on his neck. I, no, I turned that off, man. Mm. I, I managed like two minutes and I was like, that's enough. I don't need to see this. Um, mm. But yeah, it's brutal. And as you, as he's rightly said, these things are probably even worse things were going on that we haven't seen mm. through the... Um, even turning your camera on in America doesn't even protect you to a certain extent because there was that one where the guy had his kid in the car yeah. and the girlfriend was filming and he still got shot with the kid in the car and I, I yes, think jeez yeah. I mean there was certainly a reaction that you know when I was speaking to sort of white friends and stuff which was like that slightly sort of different in that way was like it recognised it as something that had happened somewhere else and I think it took like a lot of white people a lot of time to certainly took me a while to sort of connect because I felt like it, you know the United States is a different country you know with a different culture of policing you know there is racism obviously in Britain There's this, but it's just different uh, in the States and that, that, I suppose, was like where the disconnect occurred for some people was, was connecting the, the, that, that event and what it kind of sort of unleashed. I think um, Akala had a nice way of putting it when he compared America and the UK. He said there is more... I can't remember exactly how he said it. I'm paraphrasing, and if I get it wrong, apologies, Akala. I don't know if he listens to your podcast. Well, yeah, but... it's an outside bet, I would say. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, he said like the window of, of opportunity or of progress in UK for for a black person is very limited, mm. but the racism is not as aggressive or in your face over here in the UK, whereas yeah. in America the black man can reach the top of almost any field, but the level of racism and stuff you have to deal with is higher kind yeah. of thing. Something like that over there. And I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, no, that's where you see like, um, you see a lot of actors or even comedians like Gina Yashere leave the UK and go to America and they get big, all these. And then to the point where, American actors are getting pissed off that these black British actors are coming over here, getting big Idris, you know, all of them and stealing their jobs or whatever. Yeah, I mean, so, that sounds kind of racist itself, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. God, these black British actors come over here stealing our jobs. Yeah. Intersectionality gone mad, man. I mean, obviously, the organisation and the movement there was some kind of muddying of the waters between those two things. You know, there's like everything, there's a more militant wing. Uh, yeah. Did you, did yeah, cause even within my friend group as well, and some of us, cause we were like, um, I get some people going to me, Hey man, you know, there are like, they separate black lives matter, the idea, the notion from the organization. Mm. because some of them are like hey this it seems to them that it's just pushing 
um, LGBTQ values and stuff like that, right? So some of them are like, is this really what, because they're like, hang on, I thought it was about police brutality. Mm. But then you, there was this thing, I don't even know if it was um, factual or not, if it was related to them, but you heard this thing about destruction of the nuclear family um yeah i don't know if was that related to them i didn't know yeah, no, no. i remember that it just made me think of that idea of when like, if you're marching for something and like just someone does a bit of mission creep so you're kind of like what do we want like yeah justice uh for police brutality and like what do we also want overthrow the capitalist system and the patriarchy hey whoa 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 never i never discussed that never i didn't clear that at the local meeting yeah 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 so i don't know was that linked to them i don't know I, no i do i do remember it sort of linked back to a group in a similar way that um kind of extinction rebellion you sort of found that there were a, a sort of familiar core set of values of a certain group of activists that sort of see what the next cab off the rank is and they go, yeah, another opportunity. So I think there's a level of infiltration of any sort of progressive movement that gets serious traction, right? And and then eventually, as I've said in my stand-up, it's like, Karl Marx is there somewhere. He's always there. <laughs> Old Karl, he's like, did somebody say, <laughs> did yeah. somebody say revolution? And I noticed in some of your videos, you know, as well as uh, mocking racism, you also mock these kind of like empty, meaningless gestures from white middle class liberals. You know, you spoke about the the Blackout Tuesday, which happened on Instagram, which to sort of counteract racial injustice and police brutality, a lot of slebs turn their Instagram square black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reading lists and all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> oh my I did God, one about... about the re- um... Explain the reading list to us. No, it's because like, even like my, my wife... Um, she was involved. <laughs> a lot of middle class white people bought tons of books on the black experience <laughs> after the whole, you know, yeah, the riots and all that and the George Floyd stuff. They bought tons of books about, you know, the black struggle and black culture and whatnot. And I did a tweet or something. I said, don't worry, black folks. As soon as they get through the reading list, everything is going to be fine, right? <laughs> so um, just wait till we just sit back and wait till they finish reading and everything's going to be great. Um, so yeah, all, all these people bought these books and it was it was kind of funny in a way that it's like, not funny, funny and sad at the same time. Mm. It's like people have been trying to tell you there's a difference in our existence for ages and then finally and it's nice that you have the privilege to just flick open a book and just read through oh so you know but that's what but, it yeah. seems like is it seems like a slightly guilty reaction i mean the other issue is in tv and radio right where this has been a domain that has been dominated by white middle class liberals for a long long time so when they suddenly like flip to kind of like we need more black representation we go you've been in charge for a long time and that exactly, didn't happen yeah. like, so the fact it seems like you're not doing it of your free will is it's like the moment your ass was under threat, you're covering it. Like, why didn't, why did it yeah. take this for that? I mean, my view of representation has always been simply like what is Britain made up of, right? You know, percentages mm. as much as we can, can we closely have programs and adverts that, that roughly represent that? But then what mm. you then have is cause they feel guilty. They go to this overcorrection. You know what I mean? Where, like every couple in an advert is a mixed race couple, you know, like they just, cause it's this yeah, almost, it's, they're I, trying to make up for lost time. 
it's I kind of um like for instance <clears throat> I don't know if you saw that David Copperfield movie. Yes, yeah. Did you see that? I did see that. Yeah, we no, spoke to about me, that was, podcast once, yeah. That's the most walkest thing I ever seen. Like that didn't sit right with me at all. So just for the listener, um, it was, I would say, aggressively multiracial cast. And I don't mean aggressive like in like an attacking way, but the levels, given it was a historical period drama from Britain, the levels of, of, of black and Asian people in roles was, was a, it's fair to say, a long way out of step with what it could possibly have been. Yeah, even for me as a black person watching that, I was like, they just, yeah, they're just trying to, you know, like, as you said, they must feel so super guilty for them to go this far it was it didn't sit right with me and it was even more confusing than anything else i thought like something like bridgerton even though that's a historical piece that did it well it yeah. was i wasn't like or oh, they're just chucking minorities in there to be seen as you know walk or to be seen as yo you know what i mean mm. bridgerton felt more natural than something like yeah david copperfield i was just sat there watching it i was like this is this is insane. Like, it, it, I mean, there's one bit was it where the, the white the white guy and it, and his mum is black. Like when it was about halfway through the film, yeah, and he's so white as well. Like and then he, there's some Chinese dude in there, and I'm like, okay, who is he? Because if if you step out of that movie for one second to get a yeah. sandwich, it's over. Because you're like, Wait, who the fuck is this Chinese guy, <laughs> or who's this Indian guy related to? You can't piece it together. I think using quarters for anything like acting would be wrong. That's my opinion, using quotas for, because then there are some people, let's say a black person wants to film their life growing up in whatever country where they, all they saw were black people amongst them. Hmm. And then the TV studio or whatever comes to them and says, well, you got to mix it up. We need some Chinese people in there. We need some da da da. They would be a bit like, come on, man. You know what I mean? So yeah. for I I think I think um yeah, quarters would be a real wrong way to go. I think just give people a platform where you know everybody can tell their story to a certain extent and people choose what they want to watch. But the, the idea of having a cast which is let's say it gotta be 25% Asian, 25% white, 25% black, 25 that that's ludicrous. To me, in my opinion, you um like you're not afraid to make uh to sort of take on the kind of virtue signaling middle class is, establishment. I mean, there was another brilliant video you did about the no makeup selfies. Uh, so it's yeah. a routine that you did, stand up routine. If people search on YouTube, uh, Nico Yearwood, no makeup selfies. I mean, it just kind of gives the broad brushstrokes of of that routine. What you were getting at? Oh, that one. It was just. Yeah, people. I, I probably should actually tell people what no makeup selfies are. We just presume that everyone's on social media, but because I guess photos were getting incredibly treated, women were getting really doled up just to go on Instagram. The revolutionary idea took hold that yeah. women should not put on makeup just to take a photo, and this yeah. was seen, I guess, for them as some sort of heroic and brave. That was the point you were making, was that yeah. it, it was somehow brave. Yeah, but even so, the whole thing was yeah. I saw a girl posting no makeup selfie and her friends were saying, oh, Claire, you're so brave. And there was another guy. I think what made me do the bit was it was the no makeup selfie. And then there was a guy who, who had gotten a bit flabby 
Yeah. And he had took his shirt off and people were telling him he was brave as well. <laughs> so it was two of those combined that made me go, you guys are taking the piss. Like, how is that brave? You know what I mean? Compared to someone. I remember the joke initially was the guy who in France, the migrant who had climbed up the side of a building and saved that baby. No, that's yes. something that's brave. Oh, yeah. Not a man who's going back to the buffet one too many times. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. then, yeah, people are telling this girl she's brave for wearing her natural face. That's not brave. That's just her face. You know, <laughs> like that's she shouldn't be getting credit for how she was born kind of thing. Because that's, you know, it's ridiculous. Like, but in a weird way, you have to flip that on its head because then it sort of implies that the other 364 days of the year, when they're putting makeup on just to go to the shops is actually deeply thin skinned and fucking superficial. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And people cowardly. Should, people should be shouting. You coward. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Such can't... a coward, Claire. Yeah. yeah. And you know, bravery in terms of the guy that, that, you know, like it was a big guy that took his shirt off, you know, I, mm -hmm. again, I, I feel like I'm being harsh when I say stuff like this. I love eating and I battle, you know, like I'm not like a, a really big guy, but I have to battle to stay even at this weight. And I know that bravery is going to be a little bit hungry. Because you have to, because you know you've stretched your stomach by eating a boneless banquet to yourself after you'd had your main meal, right? Yeah. How do you exactly? I'm like, yeah, it's it's ridiculous that people are just twisting everything and turning upside down. And it's almost like they're taking pride in their indolence or in their sloth. You know, yeah. it's just like, come on exercising is good for your body is good for your brain it's good keeping trim do you really want to be that big person who can't sit in an airplane seat you know what i mean don't you want to you know it's like come on don't twist things to make your world because you can't be asked to get up and run don't twist it to then then say that oh this is the way to be I mean, even the fact that this is even a debate is kind of insane. When we... it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy that we to this point where we're like, you know, some of these things. That, oh, in fact, almost all these things that we're discussing now, what, six, seven years ago, wouldn't, you know, the men having babies thing, that wouldn't have been even like discussed or thought of. We didn't know we would get to this point. Well, that's the, the, that my issue is always like, I don't, find, I don't get upset with people that hold the other point. If, if someone sees it that way, you know, if someone wants to use the word people that have periods instead of women, mm. it doesn't like anger me. But I just think that what it does is it pushes ever further this divide between, like you say, the people that are in on the debate and the people that aren't. It's like they haven't really won the argument with even close to a majority, but mm. because they hold power within the cultural establishment, these things can then get signed off as though the discussion has even been had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let alone one. But yeah, listen, but half man, these things, man, it's just like, well, how did we even get here to be <laughs> that? This is a, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, a lot, I mean, a lot of stuff has, has developed quickly in last years. I mean, in terms of the stuff I was going to talk about you today, we only got through not even half of it. So I'd love to have you back if you're up for it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Cool. And what sort of stuff should I direct people towards? Obviously, you've got a YouTube channel. You've got to see you've got a podcast that's coming out. Yeah, I would say the main thing that I put my stuff up on first is um would be Instagram and then YouTube. Okay. Most of my stuff goes first to Instagram. That's where most of my followers are. So I would say Instagram and then the YouTube. So, cool. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, listen, man, I'd love to have you back at some point and chew over the other stuff. And yeah. uh, thanks very much for coming on What Most People Think. Yes, thanks for having me. Great stuff. Thank you. Okay, that was Nico Yearwood there. Great to have him on the show. Check out all his stuff, support him where you can. He just It's so great, isn't it, just to hear a stand-up who is, you know, like doesn't belong to anyone, opinions-wise. And uh, I just really enjoyed that chat. I'm looking forward to having him back very soon. Uh, we just got uh, a couple of letters here, so let's do them now. Okay, this is a letter from David Green. David says, really enjoying the podcast, great content and comedy. Just <laughs> great content. And comedy. Is it great comedy or am I just being a bit paranoid? Uh, last week in a mate's WhatsApp chat, we were having a COVID debate and it was getting a little heated. Out of it came a thought I'd like to share with you. Isn't it amazing how in lockdown WhatsApp chats become really fucking intense? Did I ever tell you this little tip? You know when you have uh, somebody storm out of a WhatsApp group, we go like, Dave has left the conversation. Just re-add them. There's fucking nothing they can do about it. It's absolutely hilarious. You can just... I mean, I, I've pushed my friends to the point where they want to kill, but uh, I highly recommend it. He's got an idea, David Green. He says, how about this for a plan? For all of those unsure about taking the vaccine, someone like Patrick Valance should release that uh, should release that a surprising side effect of the AstraZeneca vaccine is that it gives you a couple of extra inches when on the job. Well, brilliant use of 70s language there, David. I think you've lost anybody under the age of 31 on the job. I haven't heard that for ages. Like, what other phrases there like that? Having it off? Nookie? Oh, that was... Oh, God. Did you ever hear your parents use that word? Yeah, we had a bit of nookie. Oh, my God. What is wrong with your generation and sex? Uh, a couple of inches. Uh, blokes would be bang up for it, and wives would be pushing husbands to the front of the queue. I suppose the problem is, at the moment, we're trying to vaccinate very old people, and... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, fellas. Right, once you get to that age, in fact, if it doesn't work anymore, what's what's the point? You know, I mean, it might be nice to just just go in there and dominate in a shower, right? All these ladies go, oh, look at this old timer come in. He just whips it out and goes, yeah. I mean, uh, look, it hasn't seen action since the Falklands, like me. But uh, a couple of big, I don't know. Yeah, may, maybe maybe there's something in that of pushing out positive conspiracy theories about vaccines, just like like may increase tit size. Sticking with the COVID theme here, we've got a letter from Martin Rudd uh, that says, with the, NA, with the economic downturn and historic levels of government borrowing, it's reassuring to know that the NHS still has money to piss away on I've had my COVID vaccination <laughs> stickers. Uh, I wonder how much they cost. Oh, that's a good point there. So he speculates a little bit. There'll be some artistic consultant, right, who'd been uh, provided several designs at great expense. Uh, there would have been a knowing, knowing NHS procurement, the most expensive printers in the world would have been engaged. This guy, you know, you know the NHS, Martin. You, are, you, are you a mole? Is that what you are? Uh, the population of the UK is 67 million. Presumably, we'll get a sticker for each jab, so that's 134 million stickers. <laughs> He's done all the maths on this. This is brilliant. Add 10% for natural wastage. What, you mean people that just don't... Oh, you mean the stickers. I thought you meant dead people. Um, so that's 147 million stickers. Assuming a cost per sticker of 2p, that is 2.9 million, just over 2.9 million pounds on stickers. <laughs> I like that. Look, I think that Martin's done some brilliant maths here. If you work for the NHS, if you want to counter his numbers there, or even if you want to explain to us why we need stickers, like with some three-year-olds having done my first visit to the dentist, then please let us know. We'd love to know. 
Okay, that is the end of this week's show. As ever, I read out any five-star reviews that I've had on iTunes. I should do it from all the other podcast providers, but I don't fucking know how to. I'm trying to get my head around so much technology. I'll just, I'm just going to stick with the Apple ones, but please, if the only place that you can leave them is Amazon or Spodbean or or Podwank or whatever one it is that you use, then please keep leaving them there. Uh, the first one is from Steegy. This is the first five-star five review I've given. Well, that's, you know, maybe a stingy Steegy there. I don't know how old you are. I mean, it's the first five-star review, really? Uh, actually, the first review I've given, fair enough, well, then it would definitely be the first five-star or any star review. I would probably become a patron or whatever uh, if I knew how. Well, you go on Patreon and then you go through the sign-up process. I'm 51, for fuck's sake. Are you, are you slightly going mad here, mate? Just sitting there. I'm 51. Uh, just sitting there in the day room. Uh, have you ever played Stoke, Jeff? Uh, no, I haven't. You'd think with my politics that I would have done. I mean, that's a fucking home game, isn't it? They say... <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll look into it. I'll look to come into Stoke. Uh, we'll try and get there on the autumn leg of the tour. And this one's from GTL420. Great laughs and honest insight. Highly recommend to everyone. Uh, this is from Andrew Moncrief. Fucking stylish name there. Well, this is quite a long one, Andrew, so I appreciate the review, but I might have to uh, uh, pre-see it. I think with a surname like Moncrief, you'd... Uh, Appreciate a bit of vocab like that. The arrival of Jeff's podcast never fails to give that instant hit of much-needed serotonin at the end of a hard week. Jeff is one of those guys you could easily imagine spending a whole evening with down the pub, having a great laugh over many pints, and then disappearing to the toilet for a cheek... No, he didn't write that, I'm just being silly. Uh, he's honest, painfully so at times, decent and much more intelligent than he pretends to be, uh, and really seems to understand what makes the average bloke tick. I love how posh you are, Andrew. I love it when people give like, he's much cleverer than he makes out. I love the idea in a way you've actually given me the, cre the credit of, of sort of putting up a smokescreen of my own stupidity. We were sort of an inception level here of stupidity. The truth is, I, I think I have bright moments, but I have really thick moments as well. And I'm not afraid of stupid moments. Do you know what I mean? I'm a very basic creature. I like films with robots fighting. Uh, this... <laughs> That's going to be on my grave, I think. I liked films with robots fighting, and everyone think, oh, bless him there. He probably was, uh, he probably knew what window tasted like. Oh, come on, Jeff, you're better than that. Um, this is from Ashby, 1979. Fantastic programme with great guests. That's very nice. Thank you. They are great guests. It's because I study them, and I bring you people like Nico, who you might not have heard of yet, but I'm going to be ahead of the fucking curve on this. Um, this is from Lolo Smiles. Lolo Smiles. Oh, my God, Lolo Smiles. I've listened to every podcast, and on the whole, I love this. Why am I reading so many negatives? On the whole, I love this. Uh, look forward to the new episode every week. It's a podcast for everyone to enjoy. I strongly suggest you give it a go. Thank you, Jeff. You're doing a great job. Uh, this is a voice of reason in crazy times. Someone not scared to point out the hyperbole and hypocrisy of today's ridiculous politics. I mean, that you, that's the point, isn't it? Whether it's coming from left or right, leave or remain, whether it's coming from Remainers that are sort of happy that their vaccines might be withheld by the EU, whether it becomes from Brexiteers that are just a little bit too pleased at the idea of other human beings in France not getting vaccinated because, you know, it proves them right in their ongoing battle with James O'Brien. This is the point. We get here. We talk about the bullshit every week and I will see you next week. Thank you.